This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast. We are all dreamers because we're all creators. And that's the first thing that's important for us to realize. When we want to make dreams come true, we have to step into the I am. It's the only way to do it. So we we just identify with the holy good. That's all there is, the I am. And from that place, there is nothing missing. We are already whatever it is that we want to create. And so from there, it comes to, into form. The Aboriginal people, who are a very ancient Indigenous people in Australia, have something that they refer to as the dream time. And the dream time is an idea that I'm calling it the holy good because that's the phrase that I like, but their gods or however they understood it were that was all there was. And in their dreaming, the dreams of the gods just manifested into form. And so everything in their land, whether it's a bush or a rock or the dirt or themselves, it's vibrating with the divine. Their ancestors are in there. And by their ancestors, I mean the, the gods that they believe in. They find it everywhere. They can, they can walk across what would appear to us to be barren outback, and they can find water because they are vibrating in tune with the land and the ancestors and the water. It's all one to them. And so it's a beautiful model that we can learn from of how to create. When we think about creating, Reverend Kelly and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. There, there are limiting beliefs that we have, and they really get in our way. So I'm just going to go through a list and see if your personal favorite is on this list. So there's not enough. I, I can't have my dream because I don't have enough of whatever it would take to be able to have my dream. Or I'm not enough. I could never be that. I don't have enough talent. Whatever it might be, I, I'm just inferior in whatever way I might believe that. Um, I'm not authorized to know what my dream is or to choose responsibly. So if somebody says to you, well, what's your dream? What would be your greatest dream for your life? And you say, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have a dream. I don't know what I want. Well, why don't you? Maybe because you have this belief that you're not authorized to know. You know, we all, we all have parenting that you know, it was what it was. We've been parents, we know firsthand. It's like, eh, all right, maybe we didn't get it right all the time. We we would have liked to do over in certain ways. And so we all had that experience, some worse than others, but it left us with these beliefs that there is something that we don't have that we need. 
it's outside of us. And as soon as something is outside of us, it makes it impossible for us to create because it's, it's, we're not one with it. We have to get one with it. We, we also have a limiting belief that the thing that we want is impractical, unrealistic. We could never make any money doing that. Who, who would want that? There's no market for it. Have you thought that? We have the idea that our dreams are dangerous in the sense of, if I had that, somebody else will have to go without, or somebody will be disappointed. Like, say, my dad who wanted me to be a lawyer or an accountant or a doctor, and here I am, I'm going to be an artist. What? You know, that's that wasn't part of the program. And so I will disappoint those people who had their own dreams for me. And their dreams are now going to be shattered because I'm going after my own dream. So that's dangerous because I don't want to hurt those people I love. They also might be very angry at me. And if I don't, if I'm afraid of somebody's anger, then I'm also going to play it safe so that I don't have to deal with that. Our dreams can be costly. Like, what am I going to have to give up? Um, I don't know. I, you know, Rochelle has gone to Europe two summers in a row. What, what did you have to give up in order to be able to do that? It wasn't free. You know, not, it wasn't just about saving your money, but you had to take a chance on, well, are people still going to want to do business with you when you're in a very different time zone? <laughs> are, are they going to forget about you? Are you going to slip off the radar and, and now you'll be poor and you better have your bag packed for when you're a bag lady? You know, what, what, what are the costs for what you're going to do? Who, who is going to walk out of your life because you're picking this? that they don't approve of. They can be very costly. You, you might not have go after your dreams because you're too busy. You have too much responsibility. You've got all these kids. How could you possibly write a book? Look at all these kids that you've got. I mean, I had two kids and I wrote a book. They were six and eight when I started. So I know you can, <laughs> but, but not if you have the belief that you can't. So First of all, let's talk about finding the dream, because if you allow yourself to dream, what is it that you're dreaming? One of the ways that you find it is listening to your body and your emotions. So sometimes people just know. I mean, I knew I wanted to teach from the time I was a little girl. I had all my dollies and my teddies lined up. I wrote the papers out and hung them up on the drapes for them. I was in full teacher mode at seven years old. So I didn't have to hunt for that dream. I also knew I wanted to write. I got my first article published in the junior high newsletter and I was ecstatic. So I am not somebody who had to hunt for my dreams. I knew what I wanted, but I know that that's not true of everybody. Some people don't know what they want. And the way to find out is to listen to what is your body saying? When, when do you feel flurries of excitement happening? When do you 
when do you get the feeling of heaviness in your body? You know, listen to those emotions and, and let them guide you. Sometimes it's discontent that is the start of your dream. Whatever you're doing now, it's not this. There's something more. You have this sense of shouldness, like it should be different than it is. And so you listen to that shouldness, even though it seems like, how could this be possible? Sometimes there's a specific longing. It's like you're longing to have this particular way of being in the world or this particular expression. Or like I had this woman once who was a friend of mine, Rini. And Rini looked at me in the job that I was doing, how much passion I had for my job. And she was saying, oh, I wish I had a job like yours, something that lit me up. But I don't know what that would be. And so for Rini, the start was telling herself, there's a job for me that would light me up. I don't know yet what it is, but I know it's there. And you begin to step into the imagination of, if there were a job for me that lit me up, how would I feel? What would lit up feel like? And imagine getting up every day, feeling just lit up that I have this wonderful job to go to. And then eventually you start to color in the lines of, of what does that job look like? But that's your starting place. Maybe you make a vision board. We had that wonderful play shop with, um, with Donna a couple of weeks ago. And in my vision board, I just, I just picked pictures that I really liked. And then I put them all down and, and I looked at it. And what was emerging for me was this sense of, of magic and possibilities that were everywhere. It was so open-ended. And there was nothing in that that said, do this thing. It was more just the dream right then for me was open up to more. Open up to knowing that there is, is guidance there because there is, and there's there, it's there for everybody. But that's what was happening in that process. So you can try doing a vision board because that isn't like you can only do it the first of the year. You can do that anytime. You can do that for a particular um, project that you're on. You can do it for your life. However, you can also um, find a dream that's been in mothballs. So something that you've always wanted to do. I can't tell you how many people have said to me, oh, I always wanted to write a book. I was at a, a business connect connection meeting the other night, and there were three of us sitting at the table. And I was talking about, oh, I had written this book. And I knew the other person at the table had also written a book. And she was talking about another one that she was thinking about writing because she had actually been a, a writing major, I think, in college, and that's not what she was doing. And then the third person said, oh, I always thought about writing, but I became an accountant. So there you go. And there you go. Like, that was the end of that. But that isn't the end of that. She could still write. She could still have, I think one of the things we get hung up on is 
thinking that it has to be our day job. It doesn't have to be our day job. It could be something that we're doing on the side, but it still fills us with passion. And so we do it and we find a way to make that happen. Um, my former husband, he talked about um, when, when I first met him, he talked about how he really wanted to sing. And it was something, it, it took some work to get that out of him because that dream was very much in mothballs. But he was, he talked about when he was a little boy, he used to be up in the church choir and all the children were supposed to be singing and he wanted to sing. He was like little Andreano, you know, who just wanted to sing so much, but there, it was such a big part of his soul that he couldn't get his voice out. He just would cry because he wanted it so badly. And then when he was in high school, he was in a rock and roll band and, and he was really excited about that. But then he got out of high school and it was time to go to work and, you know, be in the real world. And so he put it away. And here he was now in his 40s when he began to take that dream out of mothballs and he began to write music and record these beautiful songs. And he, he ended up creating like five different CDs he he never took it to the place he did have a dream like he would have loved to go and perform you know to to be the next Elvis Presley or whatever but he at least performed at unity and before that at the spiritual awareness community so he did get that part and and he had to overcome the belief that he was too old to do it so it was it was really beautiful to watch Sometimes our dreams of, um, you know, we can look back and say, what lit us up? Like I was sharing the celebration about my grandson, you know, sort of not skateboarding. He was on his two feet, but, you know, sliding down the driveway, doing all these. I was watching him and I thought, this kid has Charlie Chaplin energy because he just made, he, it was so slapstick, his going down, coming up over and over. I have 25 videos I took of him and, and he'd keep, he'd keep saying, keep filming, keep filming. And, and meanwhile, his mom is texting me and she's saying she just finished writing this podcast listening to this podcast, that if somebody is willing to endure pain in order to have somebody watch them, they might have a future in theater. <laughs> and, and I'm watching this kid who is clearly, I mean, he hurt himself some of the times he was saying, oh, my ribs. <laughs> and he didn't care because I was watching him and filming him. And that was so important to him. So look back to what really lit you up when you were a little kid. And you may find that that's really a dream that is time to come forth. Sometimes the dreams are buried really deep. I had a client once who he had been in, I think, pipe fitting, something like that. And he'd been very successful. He, he was older now, almost ready to retire, but it was that job just wasn't satisfying him anymore. And so I did some hypnosis with him and he ended up um, coming up with this dream of raising Springer Spaniels. And he, he wanted a ranch and he called it Murphy's Ranch. And I, I was like, what's Murphy's Ranch? Because that wasn't his name. 
Well, it turns out Murphy was the name of his very first dog, who was a Springer Spaniel. And this was a dream that he'd had for a long time, but he'd forgotten about it. And it was a dream that his wife, she she kind of shared like they thought having a farm and raising animals would just be so much fun. And so he didn't know at that point how he would do it, but it was a start. Suddenly he knew what it was that he wanted. So that's, you have to be willing. You have to be willing to say, okay, I want that, even though I don't know how. There's, you have to do, and you have to do something concrete to bring it into creation. You have to take a step. So there's a story in the Bible. It's a great story about this blind guy named Bartimaeus. And he was a beggar because he was blind. And that's how it went for people in that era. And so he's sitting on the side of the road and people were rude to him. They, they were just ignoring him. And the crowd was going by that was following Jesus. And, and Bartimaeus heard the name. He heard that it was Jesus and he'd heard about Jesus. And he starts yelling, Lord, Lord. And they're like, well, you shut up, shut up. You know, don't bother him. You don't count. So metaphorically, it's like he has this dream. He wants something. He wants to speak up. And the voices in his head are telling him, shut up. You don't matter. You don't get to have this. But he persisted. He continued to yell. And Jesus heard him. So Jesus represents the light of our being. And he turns and he says, bring him here. And so reluctantly, the people beside said, well, it's your lucky day. And they help him up and they bring him to Jesus. And Jesus says to him, what do you want? And he tells him, Lord, help me to see. Because he believes that the light of his true being has that ability. And Jesus says to him, your faith has healed you. And he can see and he gets up and he follows him. And he's one of his steadfast followers after that. It's a beautiful template for us and our dreams. We have to be willing to get up from the misery of the condition that we're in and say what we want and trust that we have in us the ability to bring that forth. We have to, I, I remember my first husband, I've been married a few times, my first husband, uh, we were talking about what else might he do? He He's an engineer and he, his job was coming close to an end here in Bend. And it was going to mean that we'd have to move somewhere. I didn't want to move. I was thinking about, well, is there something else you could do? I wanted to brainstorm other things. And he was getting irritated about that. And if you believe in astrology, at the same time, there was this conjunction that was happening in Capricorn and he and I are both Capricorn and it was um 
six planets all lined up. And the astrologer that we were working with had said that, oh, on this day, you know, if he got clear on what he wanted and made that declaration on this day, it would happen. So we're having this discussion slash argument and I'm, I'm pushing him for what else could you do? And he says, I don't know. I just want to explore. Well, two days later, he comes home and he says that they just called him from the office and they want him to go over to Thailand for two months on a project. And it was the exact day that in the astrology reading had said, you know, declare it this day, you get it this day, and off he went. And he was gone for two months. And when he came back, he didn't want to be married anymore because he got clear that the life he wanted involved traveling all over and exploring the world and doing work that way. He did not want to be sitting in an office. And I wanted something very different. So we were no longer a match. So here we go, dreams cost. But it led him to a life that he loved. And it allowed me to stay and have a life that I loved. So it's always working together for good. It just isn't always comfortable getting there. We do have to pay a price to get what we really want giving up the lesser good for the greater good. We have to face our fears and, and the tension in our body. Um, Donna shared this on Facebook, and when I saw it, I asked her if I could share it with you as well. She and I did a hypnosis session together, and you know Donna is this wildly creative person. She has this passion. That's why she's having this class so that she can infect the rest of you with the possibility of creativity. And, and she was feeling frustrated because she wasn't able to manifest it on the scale that she wants to do it. She knows she has this gift in her and she, she's just so ready and wants it to come out. And in the process, what came up for her is that she needed to be fierce about it, fierce in her declaration. And there was like this, whoa, this dragon came up and and the dragon was ready to roar and she had she had to find her voice she, but she didn't want to find her voice because you know when she was little she didn't get to have a voice <laughs> and so many of us that's true for but we have to be willing to to have a bigger version of ourselves we have to we have to get outside of our box. There is another story in the Gospels about somebody else needed healing and, and they couldn't get near Jesus. He was inside this house and, and he was preaching and the crowds were, you know, outside the door listening and trying to be near him. And so these people that had someone they wanted healing for, they climbed up on the roof and they took the roofing off. Obviously, it was a little different material than we have today, but they took this roofing off and they lowered the pallet with the guy on it through the roof. And there he was in front of Jesus. <laughs> so Jesus said, all right, your sins are forgiven. And, and so the Pharisees who were always dogging his tracks and trying to trip him up because they didn't like that he was 
he was standing up and saying he was the light that he was. They said to him, well, who are you to forgive sins? Because only God can do that. And he, he said, well, what do you think is harder to forgive sins or to say, get up and walk, which he then does. And the guy gets up and walks, but, but he's also making an important point that forgiving sins is, is a power that we have. We have to forgive ourselves for whatever we're holding against ourselves, because otherwise we don't qualify for anything because we're in, we're in the doghouse. And if we want to step into the mansion, we have to get out of the doghouse. And we are the ones that have the authority to do that. The light of our being is loving us all the time. And it's not holding anything against us. You have to be able to think outside the box in terms of what you're allowing for yourself. So there was this woman, Paulette, that I worked with, and she was she was working long, long hours. I think she was a nurse. I can't remember for sure. It was I know it was a service job. And she had little kids and she wanted to spend more time with them, but she was a single mom and she didn't know how she could possibly do that. And so as we were exploring, what became clear was that all that was on her menu were service jobs. But as she got inward and thought about what she would love, self-expression kind of jobs were what she wanted. I had said to her, okay, let's just try this. You can't have a job in any kind of service industry. Now what? And the idea that she could have a job expressing herself was so exciting to her. She had no idea how she could make this work. But one of the principles of making our dreams come to life is, is to take a step. And so she started taking a step. She just, she could spend an hour in the evening after her kids went to bed doing something creative. I think she was, painting was what she wanted to do. And so she started making paintings. And I remember I actually went to an exhibit where her paintings were a few years later. It was so exciting to see that she had actually done that. But you, she couldn't do that while she was still in the service box. And it's not that there's anything wrong with being in service. It's just it wasn't her deepest call. It wasn't what was right for her at this time in her life. Um, sometimes the dream has to morph a little bit. There was a woman I know whose husband, he had been in the corporate world and he'd been very successful in the corporate world, but it was not feeling right. And so he decided he wanted to go into massage. And so he went and got a massage license and then he started massaging people and he noticed somehow this was still not fully right for him. And, and what he paid attention to was as he was massaging people in his office, he was always staring out the window, looking at the trees. And finally, what he got was the trees were what were interesting to him. And he realized there was such a thing as an arborist. 
And he got out of massage and he started, instead of shaping human bodies, he started shaping tree bodies and he loved it. It was just the life that he wanted. So sometimes the step that you take is a step on the way to something else. And so you have to keep listening to your heart and what what is wanting to come forth. You have to be willing you have to be willing to put it on the line. So Martin Luther King Jr. we celebrated his his birthday on Monday. And I don't know if you've seen the movie um Rustin, but I was just Ruskin, I was just watching that this weekend. It's a fabulous it's a fabulous movie. We already know he put on everything on the line and he ended up being killed, but it was so important to him. He had this idea. His dream was that everybody should be equal. Everybody should have opportunity. It bothered him that the people that he lived with in the South, that they did not have opportunities and he he just felt this calling for within. He had to do something about it. And he was a preacher and he knew how to preach. And he took steps. He he organized and he got people to do sit-ins and do this nonviolent um, protesting. But it wasn't enough. He needed, he had two things that he needed. One was to take bigger steps, and the other one was to enlist supporters. So Bayard Ruskin was a friend of his, and I had never heard of Bayard Ruskin until this movie, but it turns out he was a gay man, and so people didn't give him as much credence because in that era, era it was a big problem if you were gay. But he was... He was flamboyant and wild in his thinking. And so he said to, to Martin Luther King, you have to make it bigger. You have to play bigger than that. Let's do this march on Washington and let's bring in 100,000 people. And Martin Luther King is, are you crazy? And everybody's thinking he's crazy, especially the people who were playing it safe. They were in politics. Um, they were in the NAACP. They were doing good work, but by playing it safe, they weren't making effective change. And Ruskin said to him, no, this is only going to change if you make it big. And so he was in charge. Martin Luther King said, all right, go for it. So Ruskin was in charge and he organized this incredible organization. All these young people from SNCC all over the country were here and they were, they were coming up with ideas and they, they got the idea of bringing people on buses and planes and from all over the country to Washington, D.C. on this particular day. They had two months to organize this. There had never been 100,000 people in Washington, D.C. for a protest. Never. And everybody thought this was this was crazy, but he said, no, it's got to happen. We can't have anything less than that. In the end, they had 250,000 people show up in Washington, D.C. for that protest. 
And during the protest, Martin Luther King got up to speak. He was only one of many speakers. And he had, they had been so busy organizing the protest, they hadn't spent a lot of time working on what he was going to say, but somebody pulled something together, his speechwriter, and he had it there. And he's going through his speech, and his speech is okay. But Mahalia Jackson, who was a dear friend of his, she's she's already sung and she's right near him on the platform and she's heard him speak before and she's heard him speak about this dream but the dream isn't part of his speech that day and she she just gets this knowing in her and she yells out to him martin tell him about the dream and he hears her and he listens and he pushes aside his paper with the prepared remarks and he goes into preacher mode. And as the preacher, that Baptist preacher that he is, you've heard Baptist preachers. I I guess in some life, either I was one or I want to be one because I don't like the theology, but I love the way they preach. And so he got into that space and he says, I have a dream. And, and he goes on and on about, about this dream that he has. Um, I, I just printed out this thing I want to share with you. Um, this guy that was one of his advisors said he was standing 50 feet away from King. And when he heard her say that and move it aside, he, he says to the person next to him, these people out here, they don't know it, but they're going to church. <laughs> and so he, he, um, it was a wonderful, wonderful speech. I know you've all heard it, but he needed he needed supporters who believed in him, who fanned the flames of his greatness. And that's what we can be for each other. And that's what we all need in our lives. We can't do this alone and we're not supposed to do it alone. There's a technique I wanna tell you about this. This woman, um, some of you may know her, Chris King. She did the Wings seminars in Eugene for many, many years. And she had this technique that she talked about with creative tension. So on one, imagine on one wall, we have our dream, whatever it is we want. And on the wall behind us, we have all our limiting beliefs. And we've got these big rubber bands tied around us. One rubber band is attached to the dreams. And one is attached to the limiting beliefs. And so we move toward our beliefs, I mean, to our dreams and our beliefs. We, we get to this point of tension and we pull back. And now our dreams are pulling us. And so we're pulling forward again, but we keep going back and forth like this and we go nowhere. And so she said, what you have to do is switch where you've attached them to. So you've still got your dream out in front of you that you're going toward, but instead of the limiting beliefs, you attach the other rubber band to where you are right now. And you look that firmly in the face, even though you may not like where you are right now, even though you may feel ashamed or, or just frustrated with where you are right now you want to be doing you want to be a painter and you're not painting at all you're I don't know you're an accountant whatever you're doing you you just face it you face the fears that you have the whys of why you're not moving forward and and then you love yourself right 
where you are. This is key. And as you love yourself, now you have a new place that you're moving toward and back from. And it gets you closer to your dream. And love doesn't pull you back the way limiting beliefs do. And so you move forward. And it's so beautiful. So that's a technique that you can try. Jesus was a mystic. And there are a few things that he said that are so powerful. And I want to leave you with these. He, he talked about the fields. And this was the beginning of summer. Okay. And we all know at the beginning of summer, the harvest hasn't happened yet. That isn't until fall, right? So he's looking at these fields in the beginning of summer. And he said, look, the harvest is here. Now, some people who didn't have eyes to see are thinking, this guy's nuts. The harvest is not here. But he, what he's saying is, you can't have it out there. It has to be here. It has to be here in your knowing. You have to be the one already. The dream has to be here already. And when that happens, then you can manifest it. He's, he also talked about the lilies of the field. What are you worrying about? Look at the lilies of the field. They don't work hard. And the, yet not even Solomon, the great king, was clothed like one of them. Everything that you need is built in. It comes with being who you are and loving what you love and wanting what you want. Everything that you need is there for you. Take it from out there. Bring it in here. Vibrate with it. Vibrate as the vision of what you have. And then thank. Thank ahead. Don't wait. Thank now. So let's take a minute. And just go into a meditation with that. Just touch your heart. Feel the thanks first. And imagine that with the thanks, it makes you fall back like you're falling into this feather bed. Just imagine the sensation of a feather bed all around you. Ah, oh, feels so good. You feel so relaxed. You feel like a little kid on the hill looking at clouds up in the sky and finding animals in them. And as you're looking at those clouds in the sky, just imagine that one takes a form, the form of a dream that you would love, 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 love. It could be a big dream, it could be a small dream, just something you would love in your life. And then imagine as if it's a a fog that's coming down to the ground, that dream cloud comes down into your body, 
And as you breathe in, you can feel the dream filling you. I have a dream, but that's not all. I am the dream. And if what we call those cursed hows start coming at you, like, how are you going to do this? Like gnats, just brush them away. And just be with that beautiful dream. Lie in your feather bed. Being that dream. Giving your gift. Dreams come to us because we are meant to create them. We are creators. We are so grateful to know that this is so, and so it is.